Um, so my parents had attended Alpha previously, previous to me going, and I saw the impact that it had in their lives, and um, they were just more open, I guess. Like, we never really talked about our faith. I mean, we did, but it was like private, like within our house. And I feel like through Alpha, my mom was, and dad, they were more outgoing. They would like, talk about it with other people other than just our, you know, close family friends. I wanted what, what they had just went through because I wanted to be more outgoing, you know, with my faith. So um, I got a friend to go with me, Cassidy Harper. We didn't know anybody else going with us, like no other girls in the small group. One of the, some of the first sessions, you know, I was really nervous to meet my small group leader, meet all the new girls, but they were all so welcoming. It was like, like our own little family, even though we had just met each other. It's been a couple weeks seeing each other for two hours. So I think through that um, evening time, we like were able to dive deeper because we actually knew each other. Before Alpha, I was, I, I called myself a Christian. I told other people I was Christian, but I didn't understand what it meant to be a Christian. It showed me that it's okay not to just go along with whatever one else is doing. Originally, I was the person just dipping their toe in, like, you know, getting a feel of it all. And I think through Alpha, I became, you know, under the water. <laughs> I was one with the water. <laughs> I want other girls um, to have this same experience as I did. Um, like, I don't know, just being, able, being more open, not just keeping your faith to yourself. I, why would I keep it to myself, something so great? There we go. All right. I, things get turned around. Um, I want to follow up on that video for just a moment. Um, many of you have heard of Alpha, perhaps, through the years. I know I have. And, and um, uh, it, it's always uh, been a fantastic ministry. Uh, but as we began to think about restarting church, and I don't mean reopening the building, but I mean restarting church, we feel like there are some foundational elements that need to be part of this restart. And so uh, just through time, discovery, prayer, one of the things that we really landed on was Alpha. And uh, it's, um, you know, it kind of follows the meaning of the word Alpha. It's the beginning. It's, it's a foundational piece to discipleship, to your own personal spiritual growth. But part of uh, the foundation of spiritual growth is to, to be part of the Great Commission, to reach others for Christ. And we all know, based on our personality, how, how challenging that can be. If you're, if you're not a, a, you know, just a through and through evangelist, you're spending much of your time scratching your head saying, how do I, how do I reach people for Jesus Christ? And so we're all doing this together as a church. If you want to be part of where we're headed, I implore you to get in an alpha group. 
Pam and I have signed up for an alpha group, and we're not leading it because I just want time to soak it in more and more, and I want to grow in this. And so please sign up for a group. We're doing both in-person and online alpha groups, and it's, uh, what is an hour, 15 minutes, I think, something like that, uh, once a week, and we would love for you to join us. Also, let me say, this is a beautiful sight, to be able to be together with you guys, and um, I, 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 I didn't realize <clears throat> until last Sunday when, when, you know, we really began to open the doors here, um, just how much I've missed you, and I know we're all in that same boat, just like being able to breathe a little bit again, and... Um, uh, you know, from a pastor's standpoint, sitting on the couch on a Sunday morning uh, is a luxury, and but that wore out in a short amount of time. And so uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we're together. And for those of you who are online who can't be part of this, and I we we totally understand. Uh, I'm praying for you that that God would protect you. I'm praying that somehow through. Uh, this audio video transmission that the Holy Spirit is able to pierce all the things around you, the distractions, whatever, so that you can come away with, uh, with what we need. So all that being said, I want to introduce a couple of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, Alex and Hannah Absalom are, uh, they're, they're just incredible. And, and actually, they've been coaching our leadership team for, I guess, over a year now, if, if I'm right on that. And, um, but I want to tell you how I met Alex. I, I've only met Hannah through, through uh, Zoom calls, but um, I met Alex. Uh, we were on the back of a, of a um, deck uh, I don't know if you'll remember this, Alex. It was the Irish pub in, Lin in Lynchburg. We're back there. We're talking. And, and Jimmy Carroll, uh, my, our dear friend, he, he said, Greg, you've got to meet this guy. So he takes me over to, to Alex. And I think Alan Hurst was there and a few other people. And, and he said, he introduced me to you. He said, this is Alex Absalom. And he is the voice of what's going to happen next in the church. And then he said, he said, I thought it was going to be Alan Hirsch, but Alex Absalom is the interpreter of Alan Hirsch. And <laughs> I thought that was great. I, I, I read, read Alan Hirsch, and I needed an interpreter. But uh, you've become a friend of ours, and um, one of the people that, that we are watching and, and looking uh, to and saying, hey, let's, let's go with this, help us out, coach us, whatever it is. And so... Folks, um, uh, I don't know if they'll be able to hear you welcome them with applause, but even the people at home, if you'd give a shout out or just yell at your kids and acting like you're into this, or, you know, the, the, the <laughs> applause, would you just let them know how much we're glad that they're joining us today? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and to further their esteem here, um, they are, let's see, it is 722 in the morning where you are. It is. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. So listen, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves uh, and then take off. I'm going to be here. We're going to have a little Q&A at the end of this, but uh, we really want to hear from you. Well, thanks so much, Greg. It's just such a joy to be with you guys this morning. We love your church. We love Greg, uh, Pastor Greg. He's amazing. We so enjoy the times we've had with him. 
and you have an awesome team uh, and we've got to know many of them really well over the last year or so and um, what a great church you have so we love you guys and it's just a real privilege to be with you and today um greg's invited us to share with you we want to speak about how to be a naturally supernatural neighbor so how to be a naturally supernatural neighbor so hannah why don't you set us off yeah so um we've it's just what we do and what we've all, always done just in terms of be on mission but in a naturally supernatural way. So we go and we, we we keep trying to step out into this more and more empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we long to see everybody do. And then just to, you know, with our neighbours, with our colleagues, wherever God puts us, we want to go with his power in a very organic, authentic way. And so, uh, so that's what we want to talk about this morning. So before we really start, we want to ask you a question. We want you to be thinking, we want you to think about um, uh, one particular person who is not a Christian, but who you really like, and they like you. So it could be someone from your neighbourhood, someone from your workplace, who, and you would love them to come to know Jesus. So just bring them to mind for a minute. Uh, let me tell you a story about who my friend might be for that. So where we, we live in Long Beach, California, suffering for Jesus, the Southern California sunshine. Uh, I think today the high is going to be in the low 80s. So sorry, Virginia. Um, and uh, on our street, uh, there's a guy two doors up. Uh, his name's Randy. Uh, he's an attorney. He's um, kind of got a bit of Christiany in his childhood, but not definitely lapsed. His wife is um, uh, was raised in a Buddhist household. She's half African-American, half Japanese. Uh, but anyway, we, we love them, we got really well with them, we're great friends, uh, um, Randy and I often hang out and we, and we do stuff together. Anyway, about uh, 18 months ago, they were about to go off to Japan to visit her, her kind of her family of origin and they took the kids and we ran into him out on the street and he was looking forward to the trip. He said, oh, he said, I'm so worried. My back is really killing me. He says, I've not been able to sit down at work for the last 10 days and we've got this 12 hour flight to Japan and two weeks often on buses and trains and everything else. He says, I'm really worried about it. And as he's speaking to me, I could hear the Holy Spirit saying to me, are you going to pray for him? And Robert and, and Randy's talking and I can even add, are you going to pray for him? Are you going to pray for him? And I'm like, Lord, I'm talking to my neighbor, you know. Um, and uh, after, a, uh, so after a moment, I looked at him and I said, um, this might sound really crazy to you, but I think Jesus would like to heal your back. Could I pray for you? And I hear these words come out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, crikey, what have I just said? And so he, go, he looks at me and he goes, I'd love that. So we just put a hand on his shoulder and um, we're there. It's a kind of busy area. Our dog's jumping around. I mean, it's really not a super spiritual moment, seemingly. And I say something like, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love uh, Randy. Thank you that you want to make his back better. Give him a great trip to Japan. So please show him how much you love him now. In Jesus' name, amen. And he, he just looks at me and goes, oh, that was cool, thanks. Anyway, the next morning I woke up, first thing I had uh, when I turned on my phone was a text from him saying, Alex, my back is completely better, thank you so much. So I texted back saying, oh, wow, God is so good. And he, he texted back and said, yeah, I needed to hear that. Anyway, they go to Japan, two weeks or so later, they come back and run into him and he wants desperate to tell me how much he's gone around this country and he's had no pain, no trouble whatsoever, absolutely free movement. And then the kicker was about a month later, we were doing, um, we did a drinks party on our front lawn and invited loads of neighbors. And he, he wanted to bring some family who'd visiting in town. So I can never forget to mention, they walked down the sidewalk and up the first, we got 
two or three steps onto our front lawn. And I'm about to greet them, say, hey, how are you doing, everything else? And he, he points at me and looks at his family and he goes, and this is the man who healed my back. So um, it was this really funny moment. And obviously, you know, that, there's some theology there. But, you, but the point is, we can operate like naturally supernatural neighbors. And we want to say to you guys that you can do this too, because there's nothing special about us. We're ordinary people. In fact, we have a strange accent in a foreign country. Um, so if we can do it, you definitely can do it because it's all, it's all about being empowered by God's spirit as we follow him into the mission field or wherever you live, work, study or play, we can do this. And you can be that sort of naturally supernatural neighbor this mm -hmm. year. So in Luke 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, Jesus gave the disciples power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So if we think about the New Testament, Jesus repeatedly sends out his disciples. So he sends out the 12, he sends out the 72, and then in the Great Commission, he sends out everyone, and therefore implicitly us, to go and live in the power of the Spirit, naturally supernatural neighbours. And Alex and I have seen this work so many times. This, Alex's story is just one of many, many, many stories. And we've trained our college-age sons to do this. And we have total faith that you guys and your households can live as naturally supernatural neighbours amongst your friends. And that you can see quite a few of them make steps towards Jesus. And we would say there is pretty much nothing as life-giving as seeing those people take steps towards mm. Jesus. Mm. However... The reality is that most of us don't live like this. So maybe you've just not experienced these things by yourself. Uh, it's not really on your radar. Maybe you've not seen it modeled healthily. And so there's a fear of ever error, which overrides the freedom to fail. Or maybe you think you're not holy enough to live naturally, supernaturally, which of course is true. None of us are. But fortunately, it's not down to us and whether we're holy enough, enough or not. It's, it's basically the Holy Spirit that makes a difference. So today we want to remind you of and encourage you to step out into all of this stuff that the Lord is asking us to fulfill because you have friends and neighbours and family and colleagues uh, who desperately need Jesus. So just like that person you brought to mind at the beginning of, the, of our talk and particularly during these really challenging days that we're living in, they need the hope of Jesus. They need the power that only he can bring. But we have to go, they're not necessarily just gonna come. So we have to go to them like Jesus and like the disciples did. And as we're talking, you may well be having all sorts of thoughts and feelings um, uh, swirling around inside. And hopefully there's some excitement there, but I'm sure many of you are thinking, I have no idea how to do this. But we've got good news. We've got in this talk, we've got some specific, easy, tangible ideas for you to try. But also we're just here to say you can do this. Jesus empowers us by his spirit. We can all do this. Mm. OK, so uh, those of you who are watching at home in the chat bar, uh, we'd love you just to say uh, I just put a yes or a thumbs up if you're hungry to become more naturally supernatural in this year. ahead. If those of you who are watching in the building, just turn to your neighbor, and say, yes, I want to be like this. So wherever you are, just like either put in the chat bar or turn to your neighbor or tell someone in the room where you are that you're hungry to be more naturally supernatural this year. And as you do that, uh, here's the three choices that we believe you can make to step into that. And the three choices are, number one, choose faith over fear. Number two, choose authenticity over atheism. 
And number three, choose praying over problem solving. So we're going to go through each of those just real quick now, uh, just, just to unpack them for you. So the first one was, and we're going to use, by the way, the book of Acts, because Acts is like the field guide for us living like this. So the first heading was choose faith over fear. And really, this is about us not being afraid to be openly spiritual people. Do not be afraid to be an openly spiritual person. So Acts 28, we'll look there, Acts 28, verses 7 to 10. Uh, we're going to read this to you now. So it says this. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. So um, this comes straight after uh, a shipwreck where Paul has been shipwrecked on the island of Malta. They kind of stagger to the land. Everyone's saved by God's goodness. Um, and they stay with this chief official. And But Paul immediately operates like a naturally supernatural man. You'd expect him perhaps to be thinking of himself. He's yeah, I've been shipwrecked. But he sees a sick person and he, he just prays simply for healing. Jesus heals him. And then this massive doorway of opportunity opens up. And I think what this story reflects is a tension that many of us feel, which is this tension between being, we want to be high distinction. In other words, we want to be holy. We want to be men and women, boys and girls who look like Jesus, but also we want to be high connection. In other words, we want to connect with our friends and relate to them and, and, and be liked by our neighbors and our friends and, and colleagues and so on. And it's, it's, it's tricky to bring both those things together where we really represent Jesus well without watering down our faith, but also we don't want to erect artificial barriers. So um, here's a story that illustrates that. Uh, we lived for five years in Northeast Ohio uh, and our next door neighbors uh, were our people of peace. In other words, people who are by spiritual openness to us, uh, to Jesus, has Jesus looked on us. Now they weren't yet believers when we got to know them, but they really opened up to us. And, and anyway, the Lord did amazing stuff in their life. Um, but he was a surgeon and they did this beautiful backyard renovation. If, and they had a beautiful pool area and hot tubs and, and waterfalls and landscaping and, and far, huge fire pit, everything else. In fact, it was so nice. We nicknamed it the Marriott. Uh, and they loved to share it with us. And we'd hang out with them. And particularly uh, my servant wife, mm -hmm. Hannah, Suffering for Jesus. Suffering for Jesus. You and Beth would get into that swimming pool in the hot days and you would float around on the big things, having a drink, chatting away. I'd call it gossiping the gospel. <laughs> um, but one day you were having this deep and meaningful with Beth, weren't you? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and basically this, the, the essence of it was, uh, as Hannah was sharing about what it meant to follow Jesus and, and you were talking together, Beth looked at you and she said... She just looked at me in the eyes and she said, I want what you've got. Which, when Hannah told me that night, I assumed she obviously meant me, but apparently she didn't mean me. She meant Jesus in Hannah. She meant Jesus in Hannah. And that just came this by Hannah being a naturally supernatural, just living, just loving and caring, but also not being afraid to be an openly spiritual woman. And here's the question we want to ask you as you think about overcoming fear, which is just choosing faith over fear. Here's, here's, here's a great summary question. If you had 10 times more boldness, what would you do differently? So if you had 10 times more boldness, how would you live your life differently? In fact, you might want to put the answer to that in the chat bar or you could tell your neighbor. And here's the thing. If there's anything that you can name that you would live, do differently if you were 10 times more boldness, 
that means in some way you are being controlled by fear. So that's the reflection question we want to take away. What would you do if you had 10 times more boldness? To be a naturally supernatural neighbor, we have to choose faith over fear. Uh, the second thing to be a naturally supernatural neighbor, we need to choose authenticity over atheism. So to be authentic is to be genuine or real or the same on the inside as, as the outside or have integrity, resonance. And I think authentic, authenticity is deeply attractive. But sadly, it's not always as common as it should be. And so one of the, the things that is most important to people, particularly young people and particularly non-Christians right now, I think is authenticity and particularly authenticity with humility. And if there's any hint of being inauthentic, I think we're all in danger of being quickly dismissed. So Acts 16, 16 to 18, I just want to read this to you. So once when we, we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicts the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and I'm telling and are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. So in some ways, it's quite amusing. Paul gets so fed up and annoyed by this girl that he turns around and he and he deals with it right then. And, you know, with the, the, the authority that, that Jesus has given to him and he deals with the problem at hand and, and expels the demon. So we have two assumptions when it comes to being a naturally supernatural missionary. Our first is that we treat our non-Christian friends the same way we treat our Christian friends. And the second is my non-Christian friends like I'm Jesus weird. So the first one, treating our non-Christian friends the same way as we treat our Christian friends. If my friend Amy tells me that she is sick, hopefully I am going to pray for her. Same as you with your Christian friends. Whereas if one of my neighbours says to me I'm sick, like, like Randy, then hopefully we're going to pray for them too. If my Christian friend says that she's struggling in her pregnancy, then I'm, I'm going to pray. And that happened as well the other day with my non-Christian neighbour who I was buying some groceries for and handing them over. And she said, my pregnant daughter is bleeding and we're really worried. And the doctor says there's a clot and um, it's, it's up, up in the air as to whether the baby's going to survive or not. And you can see the stress on her face. And I just said, look, can I pray with you right now about this? She's going, uh, okay. She said, do I need to say or doing anything? And I said, no, it's just us crying out to God. So it wasn't eloquent, but it was authentic. And it was just saying, God, you know, please help this woman protect this baby and give everyone your peace in the midst of the situation. And she said to me at the end, she said, well, that worked for me. I'm feeling much more peaceful now. But a week later when I checked in, she, she, said, uh, she said, it's so exciting. The baby's absolutely fine. The clock's um, uh, uh, diminishing in size they think it's all going to be okay and she I checked the other day and she's absolutely fine so um I, I said it's such a good job that we prayed and thank you God that you answered that mm. prayer and she said absolutely mm. so we want to ask what is the authentic faithful thing for you to do in any situation whether the people with you are Christians or not and then the second thing my non-Christian friends like that I'm naturally supernatural so I think we're, we're scared of what they think and I think my non-Christian friends 
like like my neighbor the other day she's got plenty of people who will shop for her or she can talk about oh i'm scared about this pregnancy or whatever but how many how many people has she got who are going to stop and pray with her there and then and she probably thinks i'm a little bit weird or oh, that hannah she keeps she always wants to pray with me or whatever but i think she likes it and i think she actually takes comfort from it mm. so mm. back to the, the point about authenticity over atheism i think many christians are actually functionally cessationist or atheist so in everyday decisions do they really act any differently from their secular neighbors and so i want to ask you what sets you apart from your non-christian friends and neighbors and what does it look like to be an authentic christian faith-filled christian in the different contexts you find yourself in what does it look like for you to choose authenticity over atheism okay uh, and we're going to do our last piece now, the last section, which is this. The third choice, choose praying over problem solving. So we need to choose praying over problem solving. We're going to look in a, a verse in Acts chapter 14 uh, and Acts chapter 14 verses 8 to 10. And the reason we've picked this is because we've got to know a bit about your church and uh, you are a super capable lot. So many gifted people. We've heard story after story of competency and skills and interesting backgrounds and everything else. But the danger of being a competent, well-educated, well-organized people is that we can squeeze out the Holy Spirit. So listen to this story, Acts 14, verse 8. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Fascinating story. Uh, so we see that Paul sees the man's faith. Good question. How do you see faith? That, that's a good conversation we could have. And he resolves the man's problem through prayer. And it was just a very simple but authoritative prayer that Paul operates here. Uh, and I think when we step into situations in life, our tendency can be to lean upon our natural competences. We can organize, we can get the prayer chain, we can get the food chain going, we can give them great wisdom and advice. And those things are helpful, like Hannah said. But in the midst of that, we also need to be ones who turn first of all to prayer. We need to be turned first of all to prayer. Yes, be generous. Absolutely. Be kind. Absolutely. But we need to also bring that prayer piece, that supernatural piece and how we respond to people. Because the difference maker is not our own virtue, because that's legalism. The difference maker is the presence of Jesus. The way you are going to make a difference at work, at school, in your neighborhood, with your extended family, is you intentionally allowing room for the presence of Jesus to flow into that relationship or into that situation, like Hannah's friend who is struggling with her pregnancy. You know, your friends who are far from Jesus probably have lots of problem solvers in their life. What they don't have is lots of praying friends. Mm -hmm. Quick story, where we live in Long Beach, which is South Los Angeles, it's very urban. Right behind us, uh, there's a back alley and then there's a big main road, lots of stores. Uh, there was a furniture store there, just diagonally opposite. And uh, I got to know the guy uh, who ran it. We'd sit on the back alley where all the trash cans are and where our garage is there. And um, I bumped into him and one day I said, hey, how's, how's business going? He said, I'm really stressed. Sales are really down. I don't know what the problem is. It's, it's just really difficult. We're going to have to make some big decisions soon. So I looked and I felt this Holy Spirit digging the ribs, you know, oh, gosh. So I said, um, Edgar, 
uh, this might sound crazy, but could I pray for your business? Because I think God wants to bless your business. And he looks at me like I'm a bit crazy. And he goes, okay. So I just prayed this real simple prayer for his business. Dear Jesus, thank you, love Edgar. Please bless his business. You love our city to prosper. I mean, it was that sort of prayer. And he's kind of like, okay, thanks at the end. Anyway, about 10 days later, I ran into him again. I said, Edgar, how's business? He goes, oh, it's amazing. We've had so many customers come in and we're flooded out and we're run off our feet. And I don't know what to do. And he talks like this and there's this pause. And I just left the pause and I looked at him and said, Mm, isn't that interesting, Edgar? And he kind of cracks his smile at me and he goes, yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? So, you know, I think we can step out as, as generous prayers. You know, I think sometimes we kind of be too hesitant to pray. It's almost like we think, well, does God really want to bless Edgar's business? Well, you know, I think my default response is, of course, God wants to bless Edgar's business and he wants to bless our city and he wants to bless the people around us. Why wouldn't he? Unless it's clearly immoral or wrong, let's be a people who seek to bless and to be encouraging and so I want, we want to encourage you, as you step into situations in life, choose to, choose to be someone who prays more than you problem solve. Yes, do problem solve, but pray more and bring that into that situation. Okay, uh, the three phrases we gave you are choose faith over fear, choose authenticity over atheism, and choose praying over problem solving. And we want to give you one piece of homework before I hand back to Pastor Greg. And the piece of homework is this. Uh, we want you to perhaps ideally write down one relationship in your life or one situation where you are going to intentionally pray first. In other words, you're willing to be outed as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. We are going to live in a naturally supernatural way. You're going to step through faith and, and authenticity. You're going to be someone who, pr who chooses prayer rather than simply problem solving. Where's one relationship or one situation in your life where you think, yeah, this week, I probably should behave like that. Where's that situation gonna be? And, uh, and, and ideally, we'd like to be accountable to someone for doing that. So just think, is it someone sitting next to you right now? So, uh, uh, or, or someone you need to contact, text them and just say, hey, hold me accountable for being this this week as you step into it. Anyway, back to Pastor Rick. Thank you so much for listening to us. Oh, well, thank you. Hey, before I ask, I have one big question, and it may turn into a couple, but uh, before I do that, I just want to say thank you to our tech team for pulling this off. I wasn't going to thank them until you got done speaking because I wanted to make sure it worked, but um, we've got people in the back and people back there and just pulling this all together, so thank you guys so much. It's, it's been great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you, you're awesome. Um, this question that I want to ask, and it, it came to me right up front, uh, is one that could probably be a whole sermon series, um, but uh, I, I just want to get your first read on this because I, I think this would pop into many of our, our, our thinking. Um, the gentleman with the back problem, what was his name? Randy. Randy, and then there was Edgar. And yeah. uh, Randy and Edgar, when, when you were with them, in both of those cases, you sensed something. Mm -hmm. and, and in some, some way, uh, Hannah, you did that with your, your friend in Ohio. Mm -hmm. it, there was, it, you're outside of typical day-to-day uh, -day transaction. You know, in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, you know, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses. That's a pretty pointed statement. There's a reason for this. And yes, the Holy Spirit does amazing things with us even before we're believers. 
and he does things in us after we become uh, Christ followers. But then there's this part that moves into this next dimension. And um, so <clears throat> the question is this. Um, how, do you, how do you know that the Holy Spirit was talking to you and not just pizza from the day before, or in your case, just being on the beach too much? Um, how do you... <laughs> Tell, tell us just a little bit about that. Just up. I, for me, it's my heart is beating uh, a lot. And I'm thinking, oh, I know I need to do something here. Or sometimes it's just, I don't know, a presence or just a weight. And the more you experience that, you more, the more you think, oh, this is the Holy Spirit. He's, he's present right now in the situation and he's doing something. And so it's paying attention to that that presence of the spirit, that sort of weight, that almost pause in the moment that where God's doing something. Mm. And I think there's also a, we almost, we, we can offer, we call it our standing orders from Jesus. And so the standing orders from Jesus, there's a number of things like we're meant to share about our faith. He says repeatedly, go and heal the sick. He says, drive out demons. So in other words, meant to help the captives be set free. So I think there's things that Jesus, if we're, if we're just a simple reading of the gospels, they're there again and again. And there are like our standing, in other words, there are default posture unless God says something different. So I think too often we hold these things back like, you know, there's, there's only a limited supply of God's goodness. Uh, whereas actually, I think we need to operate the assumption there's an unlimited supply of God's goodness and love for folks. So, um, so it's almost like, don't stop reining yourself in, almost like lean into it more would be probably one of the things that I would encourage you with. I think often we um, we don't do things because we're scared that it's not God telling us to do. Mm. And I think by just doing it, if as long as you've got this underlying posture, Jesus, I just want to be used by you. I want to do your will. That that sort of submission. I think God God cares more about that mm. than whether you, it's His voice or yours or whatever. And, and the last key I'd give would be uh, make sure you're operating out of love. So if your heart is full of love, so like when Hannah prayed for the, uh, you know, our friend over the road, we, we, you know, she's worried about her, her daughter's pregnancy. Hannah's operating from a heart of love for that woman. So in a sense, it almost doesn't matter what the outcome is. And now obviously we do want to see, you know, like, praise God, her, the pregnancy is great. But this, it's like the tone and the posture you come with. If you come with a posture and, a, and um, the, the texture of it, it feels loving and caring. People, people, people that's the authenticity piece. Yeah. And people really respond to that. So I think as long as you come with a heart of love, the supernatural piece, well, you can't control that. That's down to Jesus. But you're just like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to love on this person and do that both naturally and also supernaturally. Well, I would like to recapture uh, just a piece of this that really stands out to me. Um, I think in, I know where I came from. I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal church environment. And... Um, and evangelizing was a big deal, but it, it became a project. And uh, it, it wasn't always about the people. It was about us trying to either get brownie points with God or just, you know, you're doing it out of, oh, I have to do this if I'm going to be a good Christian, those kinds of things. I think sometimes we all feel that. But when you talk about naturally supernatural, uh, you don't wake up in the morning and like I got to go tell 10 people about Jesus it's you live your life and you look for chances to love somebody to care to to see them to lit literally see them and and, and um, 
and, and just to care about them. And then let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And um, would that be a, a pretty accurate summarization? Definitely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's back because I think people feel the love of hopefully it's the love of Jesus. So I think almost the starting posture is Jesus. Just help me love these people with your love. That even when I'm tired or annoyed or it's um, it's just a not good moment. It often often happens in the moments when you're in a rush or on, and it's annoying. Think, oh, Lord, do I have to do this now? But I think asking the Lord for his love for these people, for you to see these people through his eyes, and that's the starting posture. Mm -hmm. And you just want to do this because you love them, you want the best for them. Yeah, that's great, totally. Yeah, you know, my wife, uh, you've, I don't know that you've met Pam, but she's so good at this. And she, I, I don't let her speak because people would want her to be the pastor. Um, but she's, this is what she does. She loves people. When you said... Um, uh, when you talked about loving non-Christian friends or treating them the way that you treat your Christian friends, that, that's, that's her life. And so I'm going to get some coaching from her and uh, move forward. Hey, um, gosh, thank you guys so much. This, this has been uh, fantastic. And, um, and it just it opens our eyes to an entirely new opportunity. Um, and Hannah, I'm going to ask if you would... Uh, would you pray for us as we close this time out today? I'd be honored. Thank you. So, Jesus, we love you, and we say this is all about you. It's not about us, but it is about you, and it is about your love for your people, whether they know you or not. And we just say, please, Lord, help us. We don't know what we're doing. It's, it's nerve-wracking, but Holy Spirit, empower us, fill us with your spirit, fill us with your presence, fill us with your love and your compassion for everyone around us. So that when we're in those moments where we have an opportunity to share or pray or whatever, that we have boldness to step out, even if we're shaking at the knees, give us that boldness and just give us that heart of love that that is just so impactful. So, so Jesus, we want to see you move. We want to see incredible things happen we want to see lives changed and we just pray that you would graciously use us to, in part of that that process so we just say we love you and thank you amen amen thank you so much guys we love you we greatly appreciate you give it up for the absalons would you yeah love you guys we'll we'll speak later thank you wow that's so good uh, that, that's so confirming in so many ways, and um, we're going to just uh, be thinking through this and talking through this. Alpha helps with a lot of the things that we're, we're considering here in, in just a new way to share Jesus uh, with a culture that, of people who will never come to a church service ever. And so uh, it's, it's a great day to be uh, part of the church in this country. And uh, the opportunities that God gives us, I think, is going to just be uh, incredible. Our band is somewhere. Uh, now they're showing up. And uh, we want to sing uh, one more song. I'll come back up for a benediction.
Keep playing something, maybe that song. Um, I want to uh, just share a couple of uh, things that you need to know uh, today. First of all, we have, uh, I think, buckets at the doors where you can give if you're giving in person today and uh, otherwise please go to our online giving portal and continue your faithful giving to our church um, also uh, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day and um, uh, so uh, in just a few minutes I'm going to pray and just thank God for uh, just the, the blessing that that man had on our nation and the world um, and uh, but tomorrow uh, during our 21 days of prayer, uh, our our main prayer is going to be for racial racial reconciliation, and um, uh, it is one of the uh, the major points of our heart as we move forward as a church. Uh, we we just need to play our part in in making this happen in our country. So uh, it's a big deal. So tomorrow for 21 days of prayer, 6 a.m. here or online, and that will be our focus point tomorrow. Um, and um, I, I think that's it for, for just the general things. But I want to do, um, do something right now, whether you're here in the building or at home. If you have a need that... Um, uh, you really need God to move. It's going to take it's going to take God to move in your life with this situation. And and if you're home, do the same thing. If you could, uh, just stand up. And we're going to pray especially for you uh, before we leave today. So right now, if you have a need and you need God to to work in this need, would you stand? I love um, what Alex said about let's choose praying over problem solving. We tend to go to problem solving right away, don't we? But problem solving is, can be okay. It can be helpful. But the power of God's Holy Spirit is what we really need. We need Him to move in an incredible way. So believe God right now with me for your miracle. Father, if I could put my hand on the shoulder of every person who are in their home standing or in this building standing right now, I would put my hand on their shoulder and I would pray that you would show up in their lives and in this situation. I know 
God, that you're here. I know your presence is in this moment. And I know there are people standing right now that are just covered with weight because of their situation. And I pray that they would sense the miraculous strength and power of the Holy Spirit in their life right now. Let them know, God, that you're there, you hear them, you see them, and you are with them, and you are upon them, and you are going to minister in a powerful way in their situation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.